This morning we'll be reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, beginning of chapter 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. This is the Word of God for the people of God. How do we grow in faith? How do we grow in faith? That's the question I'm going to ask you to consider this morning as we review what Paul has said to these early Christians at Rome. How do we grow in faith? For this sermon series, we're also using the book that our recent Barton Clinton Gordy lecturer, Bishop Robert Snazy's written called The Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations. He's recently revised and updated that, but out of his research, he talks about these five fruitful practices or these five practices that make a church vital. We're looking at those as we move through this Lenten season. This morning, we're looking at intentional faith development. We're calling the series, Let's Be the Church. So we're talking about the community of faith, this dynamic of growing in faith as an individual, but not only as an individual, but also as a church community and how that works within the life of a Christian. The season of Lent invites us to go deeper, to pause a little more often and turn our attention to God, to allow God to work within us more effectively. Sometimes we give up things, we sacrifice, we deny ourselves, even as we remember Jesus fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. It's both an individual practice, we can do things on our own, as well as a community practice, something that the church and many churches do together. Bishop Snazy tells the story of a first century woman who lived about a half day outside of Jerusalem. You had to walk a while to get there. She lived in a smaller village than the bigger city of Jerusalem. She was a widow. She had recently lost her husband to sudden death. So she was without a husband in a time when to not be connected to a man meant that you would end up destitute. But night before last, she had heard a story about this fellow named Jesus and how he one time met a woman at a well that he should not be talking to. She was a woman without a husband, and he promised her living water. That connected with her. She wanted to know more about this Jesus. She had first heard about him just a few months ago. Some of her friends and neighbors began to talk about this Jesus of Nazareth and how just recently he had died a horrible death at the hands of the Romans. But then somehow, just three days later, his followers, his friends, had come to believe that he was alive again. She began to hear the stories he told about lost sheep and 
lost coins, even a son who was lost but then found his way back home and was embraced and included again. That appealed to her. That sparked something within her. She wanted to know more. So when her neighbors invited her over for a meal one night, she was so excited, not only for the human contact, which no doubt she needed, but to hear more stories about this Jesus and what he said and how he lived and what these people thought it meant in terms of change and transformation in their own lives. They shared stories with her. They shared meals with her. Before long, it wouldn't have been too strong to say that she felt loved and included in the community once again. And through this human contact, through this connection with these who would follow Jesus, she began to feel the abandonment, recede, and had feelings of welcome and importance her life seemed to count for something again she seemed to be noticed again within her community and she even thought perhaps she was regaining her hope and trust in God once again growth in faith most often happens in community where groups of Christians gather together to study and learn, to worship and pray, to fellowship, to play, to support one another in the ups and downs of life. Paul likes to call it being in Christ. But in the passage today, he says rather than in Christ, through Christ. You heard it in the first verse I read this morning. He wrote this, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have faith. Do you notice how he talks about it as the community? He talks about it in the plural. John Wesley, founder of Methodism, put it like this. There is no religion but social religion. No holiness but social holiness. He's emphasizing the critical importance of Christian relationships, the importance of a Christian community of people gathering together in the name of Christ. That's why when people began to come to Wesley for spiritual guidance, he not only gave them wisdom and insight and studied Scripture with them, but he put them in groups. He insisted that they all find a small group to be a part of because he understood this deep wisdom that Paul is writing about that we as Christians are necessarily a part of the Christian community. When we make a decision for Christ, it is more than just a personal decision that connects you to God. Oh, that happens, but it's also a social decision before you might have been outside of the community, but now you are a part of a community, one with another. So many passages in the Christian scriptures admonishing, reminding us to love one another in the Christian community. From time to time, I hear people say, oh, I don't need the church. I read the Bible on my own. I'm spiritual. Well, that's okay. And that's part of it. 
but they're missing one of the great blessings and insights of Scripture and of faith and of relationship with God because it happens in community. We have the Bible because of God's work through the Christian community. No one of us wrote the Scripture or received that inspiration. It came through people inspired over the ages, collected by those who have come before us in the faith community. That's how we even have the Bible, to be able to read it. Our book of discipline talks about this reading of Scripture like this. It says, as we open our minds and hearts to the Word of God, through the words of human beings inspired by the Holy Spirit, faith is born. Faith is born and nourished. Our understanding is deepened and the possibilities for transforming the world become apparent to us. And then it adds that this reading of Scripture is best done within the believing community. In other words, we find faith, hope, and love, peace, meaning, support, forgiveness, mercy through the community. This following Jesus is not a solitary journey, but one we do with others, one we do with other Christians, one we do in community. Paul goes on in verse 2 to another point. He also goes on to talk about that not only do we come to faith in Christ, but through Christ we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And then he says, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we read from chapter 4 in Romans, and Paul talked about and made clear we don't boast about anything we do. If we're going to boast, it's about what God has done for us. For Paul recognized that theological truth that before any of us are here, God is at work, that God has created us, and that God sustains us, and in fact, God initiates all that we know and have or have experienced. And then our part is to respond to God in faith. And then the community surrounds us with support and love and guidance and direction. I thought about my own spiritual growth over the years as I was writing this sermon. I realized that it never came in isolation. It was always with other Christians. I can remember growing up in First United Methodist Church in Omaugie, Oklahoma. My parents and grandparents who began to teach me about faith before I could read, before I knew the name of Jesus, they knew Him. They shared faith with me. They also took me to church every Sunday. I remember being taken to the nursery. Mrs. Whitaker was the woman that was always there to teach, to love, to hug us, to play with us. I never showed up in a children's Sunday school classroom where there weren't teachers already there who had prepared, who were ready to participate with us and to help us learn the faith. So I went to Sunday school, went to worship, got to my teenage years, had opportunities to go on mission trips with the youth group, go to camp, go to retreats. 
I had great Sunday school teachers and youth sponsors who dedicated so much of their time and life to those of us who were growing in faith. They helped shape and form us into young Christians as we were making choices about identity and values. It's wonderful to grow up in a community of faith. But then so often when we go away to college, as I did, you kind of lose contact and get disconnected from your home church and your home community of faith. And yet I was able to find Christian Bible studies and professors and leaders and mentors who still would invest in me and help me grow in faith, ask hard questions, challenge my faith, help me grow. Oh, I made some decisions about following God personally but that never happened solely by myself. It always happened with the input and the support and the guidance and the leadership of other people of faith, those who were further along the road in faith and I, who were ready to look back and help someone else out who was coming along the same path. I was thinking about how this all works and thinking about the 10 years I served as the pastor at First United Methodist Church in Enid. One year I had the privilege with another lay woman to co-lead a disciple Bible study. We've had disciple Bible study here for years, but this is an example of how that study works for so many of us. We made a commitment to meet for 34 weeks, and we committed to do some assigned readings every week during the week, and then we would meet once a week to talk about the Scripture, what the lessons were, what the theme was, to ask each other questions, to share insights with one another. But before the class ended, every week we would share joys and concerns, and we would pray together. I was flipping back through that disciple Bible study manual, remembering all the things that happened. It's amazing how much can happen over the course of a year with about a dozen people. Oh, we prayed for wonderful things when good things happened in our lives, but so many difficult things happened that year. We prayed for people who lost parents. We prayed for people who were dealing with physical illnesses, some family members dealing with mental illnesses. They weren't in the class, but one of the couples were really close to a family who lost a three-year-old in a drowning accident. We supported them in prayer. An extended family member of one of the participants lost someone to suicide that year. We supported them and their family in prayer. Oh, we prayed for the everyday parts of life, and we prayed for our church and our church leaders, but I think you can sense that what becomes most profound when Christians journey together are these difficult times where we really need somebody else to help us out. Paul writes about that in this passage today. After talking about the glory of God, he says, and not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Paul describes life in Christ as a growth process that has both ups and downs. 
as we prayed together in that disciple Bible study class, we saw that faith come alive as we went through wonderful times together and such difficult times together. And truly, we suffered together and endured together. And because we were together, our faith was deepened and our hope was strengthened. As a group and as individuals, we grew in faith and experienced that in one another and experienced God's love being poured into our lives and into our hearts. Bishop Snaes, in his book, summarizes that kind of Christian community. He says it like this. By becoming part of a learning, listening, serving community, we place ourselves in the circumstances that are most advantageous for growth in faith. Bible study and faith sharing are not just about self-improvement, but about setting ourselves where God can shape us, intentionally opening ourselves to God's Word and God's call. He then uses some Wesleyan language and writes, The sanctifying grace of God bears the human face of our fellow disciples. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? The sanctifying grace of God bears the human face of our fellow disciples. This season of Lent reminds us about suffering, but how... If that happens in community, it changes the tenor of it. How, when it happens with trusting God, it changes the nature of it. And how we all can be more intentional about our faith journey. Invites us to ask and deal with these deeper questions. To do some reflection and introspection about our own lives. In our Ash Wednesday service, which starts this whole season of Lent, I read this reminder from our book of worship. It reads like this, Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the early Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion or suffering and resurrection. And it became the custom of the church that before the Easter celebration, there should be a 40-day season of spiritual preparation. During this season, converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when persons who had committed serious sins and had separated themselves from the community of faith were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to participation in the life of the church. In this way, the whole congregation was reminded of the mercy and forgiveness proclaimed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need we all have to renew our faith. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church, the liturgy says, to observe a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. Let us join those early Christians and be those who serve Christ with great devotion. Let us remember the importance of gathering together in the Christian community. And let us be sure and remember this wise blessing and promise from Paul that we read today. That God's love has been 
and is being poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We talked about our core values a few weeks ago, and the second one we talked about reminded us that we see spiritual growth as a lifelong journey. That means this call from Paul and from the gospel applies to all of us, no matter what age or stage in life that we might find ourselves in. So let me suggest to you today that we go forth attending to the Holy Spirit, believing that God is leading us and looking for where God is giving each of us an opportunity to grow in faith. Amen.